Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome, it's Thursday afternoon, Fresh Thinking Time. It's great to be with you. I hope that you're well and I hope that your family is well. Everybody's staying safe. Difficult times for us here in South Africa, especially in Gauteng. Don't get nervous about that cough, by the way. That was just a little bit of an irritation. But it is, uh, it's a rough time, and we need to daven to Hashem to keep us all safe, to keep those who are not well from getting worse, and to send a refuah shleima, an absolute and speedy recovery to all who need it. It's a tough time, and I think we're getting a bit weighed down, not only by the restrictions which play on so many people's minds, we're also weighed down, I'm sure, by all the negativity, the negative stories, the stories that you hear about people waiting for the opportunity to get into a hospital, the stories that you hear about people who succumb to this horrible disease. So I thought, let's use, this is fresh thinking. This is where we like to bring a fresh perspective and a fresh angle to everything. Let's lift the mood a little bit and let's find something positive to talk about. And what more positive than to discuss miracles? And that's what I wanted to ch- chat to you about. Actually, more than anything else to hear from you, perhaps you'll be willing to share. So my question to kick us off today is, miracles, have you ever personally experienced a miracle? And maybe if it's not you personally and you know somebody else, well, that's great. As long as it's reliable, you know, not these stories I read, I heard, third part person, like a real story that happened to you. Because I believe that when we remind ourselves that miracles do happen, it helps us to stay chin up. It helps us to remain optimistic. It helps us to believe that even in the most trying times, and these are trying times, that there is an opportunity. There's an opportunity for light. There's an opportunity to buck the trend. There's an opportunity for things to turn around as we see the surge of this third wave of coronavirus here in South Africa completely outstrip the previous two waves and it's just the numbers are just climbing. So it's important to remind ourselves that miracles do happen. And as a as an axiom in Judaism, when you have optimism and you have trust in Hashem, that Hashem can and not just can, but will turn things around, that's actually what turns things around. So how do we cultivate that optimism? How do we cultivate that trust in God? A good place to start is to share stories of miracles. And yes, I know there will be those people who turn around and say, yes, of course, these stories are wonderful. But what about? What about the people who don't have a miracle in their lives? Well, we don't have those answers. We don't get to to explain or to decide why some people are blessed with a miracle and others are not. We're certainly not going to play jury over here. We're not going to imagine that we have some insight into the higher realms or into God's wisdom. So at the same time that people are suffering and grieving, we should and we ought to acknowledge that there, that there are great things also available to us. And not for one moment to be insensitive to those who need our prayers. Not for one moment to be insensitive to those who have lost people. Let's just try bring some light into the conversation. That's what I'd like to do with you today. You know the drill. You know that this is interactive. This is community radio, which means you're the community. You drive this show. You give your insights. You share your stories. 
That's what makes the wheels of conversation turn. So you have the following avenues. You could send an SMS to 34519. You could use the Telegram account of 0618951019. But I know what happens. I know what happens on Fresh Thinking. Most of our conversation takes place in the social media space. So there's Facebook. There's Twitter. You can find me or Chai FM on either of those platforms. So there's the Chai FM page on Facebook. There's at Chai FM on Twitter. There's at Rabbi Shish on Twitter. There's my personal Facebook Let's have this conversation. Let's bring some light. Let's bring some optimism in this incredibly difficult time. And perhaps, perhaps if you're very attuned to the Jewish calendar and you know that next week we're going to a period that is called Bein HaMetzorim, the period of difficulty in Jewish history. Some people colloquially call it the three weeks. Building up to that horrific date, Tisha B'Av. We know that this is a time where historically all kinds of negative things have happened to our people, to our nation. And that could perhaps frighten you and say, oh my goodness, here we are. We're in the throes of a very difficult phase of the coronavirus here in South Africa. And we're going into this difficult time. So, you know, you could start to feel almost, God forbid, doomed. And that's not a Jewish attitude at all. In fact, one of the things that we learned from this week's Torah portion, you've got this fellow called Bilam. Bilam is the world-leading prophet, at least in the non-Jewish world. He's supposed to know everything. He's supposed to know even how to work out when it is during the day that God has that nanosecond where he is susceptible to curse or to cause negativity. And this Bilam is supposed to be so attuned that he's going to get it. That's when he's going to find an opportunity to, God forbid, curse the Jewish people. And of course we know how, this, how the story goes. It fails dismally, much to our relief. And instead of Bilam being able to curse us, instead, as the verse says, Hashem turns around the curse into blessing because Hashem, your God, loves you. And that was his experience, much to his frustration. And by the way, there's nothing that tickles us more than the frustration of our enemies. That's great. Somebody who wants to curse you and lands up with blessings tumbling out of his mouth. It's exactly what kind of a circumstance situation we're looking for. Now, it's no accident that in almost every single setup of the Jewish calendar, this is the story we read right at the beginning of these three weeks of negativity. Because that's really the Jewish perspective. Yes, of course, there was history. And yes, of course, there was a time where that period was so negative. But just as Bilam was switched, just as Bilam came with vitriol dripping from his lips and he couldn't help himself but to give us blessings, just as he was converted, Hashem turned it around 180 degrees from the worst of the worst to the best of the best. There's a secret in that, that we all have the capacity, we all have the opportunity, we all have the potential to turn the negative periods in our lives, even if they're not in our personal lives, they're on a communal, on a national, on a global scale, we have the opportunity to turn it all around. And one of the key rudders that we use to turn this ship is to shift from thinking worst case scenario to seeing the opportunity for miracles. If you look back with the benefit of hindsight and you look back at history, well, in history, you can always 
you know, sit back quite satisfied and say, see the miracle? Look at the miracle of the exodus from Egypt. Look at the miracle of the splitting of the sea. But don't forget that there was a period before that miracle happened where everything looked dire. Don't forget that standing at the edge of the sea, there were people who felt it might be better to drown themselves than to face the Egyptian army that was just breathing down their necks. Don't forget that when the Jews were 200 years down the line in slavery in Egypt, that it wasn't that simple for them to just turn around and say, oh, yes, everything's going to be fine. There will be miracles and there will be an exodus. Miracles tend to happen when you least expect them. And yet, as Jewish people, yes, the Torah tells us very clearly, you can't live your life relying on miracles to save you. But when there's a situation that is outside of your control, and that's the reality. We're doing our best right now. Everybody's doing their best to keep themselves safe. We've closed our shuls. That's how seriously we are trying to keep everybody safe. We've closed our schools because we're trying to keep everybody safe. We're doing what we need to do. Now what happens is essentially out of our hands. This is the time to say, yes, we do believe in miracles. And we trust in miracles. And we pray for miracles. And we anticipate miracles. And that's why let's have a conversation about miracles. Because when you hear a story, when you hear that somebody, another person like yourself, has had a miracle in their lives, it encourages you. It makes it more relatable. And there's two things really that I think we should do here today. The one is share stories, upbeat stories, happy stories. Optimistic stories, survivor stories on the one hand. And on the other hand, I think what we should do is just analyze for a second. How should you respond when you are, in fact, face to face with a miracle? It's such a rare and unique opportunity to have in your life. What are you supposed to do when a miracle occurs? How should you respond? So those are the two things that we're going to focus on over here together today. So my question to you is, if you have a miracle story, it does not have to be the greatest earth-shattering story. It could just be something that you believe was miraculous for you. Please share it with us so we can share it with others so people can be inspired. 34519 or 061-895-1019 or just use social media. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So we're talking today about miracles because I feel that we feel that we need miracles in our lives right now. I feel that everybody is so overwhelmed with all the negative that we're hearing, all the things that seem to be happening, the numbers climbing at an alarming rate in terms of coronavirus. So we need a miracle, right? That's what we need. We need to hear of or experience miracles in our lives. And we're looking for, we're praying for, we're hoping for personal miracles for those who are sick and in hospital. Hashem should miraculously uh, send them healing at this time. And for the country as a whole and for the world as a whole. If you had to ask me, I actually think that the miracle we need more than anything else, we need the miracle of Moshiach. That's the greatest miracle of the life. That's a conversation in its own right. And let's not get too distracted uh, by the word miracles and forget that we don't just want a once-off miracle that's going to help us in the now. We actually want a miracle that's going to help us in the long term. So have you, have you ever experienced miracles 
in your personal life? An open miracle. It's interesting because I see already people are commenting, what is an open miracle? It's a good question because the more open the miracle is does not necessarily mean that it's a greater miracle. You know, there's a whole approach within Judaism that teaches sometimes the greatest miracle is actually wrapped in what appears to be the laws of nature. So the Purim story is a great example of that because the Purim story, we'll all agree, is one of the most momentous events in our history. And it's something that is undoubtedly miraculous. How do I know? Because it was it was dedicated as a Yom Tov, as a celebration uh, by the Jewish community across the board. So it's clearly miraculous. And yet on the other hand, it happened very much within the context of things that appeared to be very normal. So it happened. Queen was a, a friend. <laughs> Mordechai had saved the king's life, etc. So yes, um, what exactly constitutes a miracle? That could be part of your discussion. If you want to share a story... And your story, perhaps you think is not so miraculous. Well, that's that's okay. Go ahead and share it anyway. If it can uh, touch somebody and if it can inspire somebody, wow, isn't that in itself just amazing? Now, I, I did anticipate that this would happen, and I'm pleased that it has. But straight away, a number of people have already commented the very fact that we are alive. The fact that you woke up this morning is already a miracle. And I think that's an incredible attitude. They attribute the quotation to Einstein. I don't know if it is or isn't really Einstein who said it, but that there are two ways that you could live your life, either that everything is a miracle or that nothing is a miracle. And there's a whole philosophy amongst early Jewish thinkers, whether if something is no longer considered a miracle just because it repeats regularly. So, for example, mothers will tell you, and I see that somebody's actually commented this. In fact, two people have commented this uh, in response to my question. Mothers will tell you that giving birth to a child is an is a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. In fact, somebody over here says specifically having had twins. So it, it absolutely is a miracle. But because it repeats so frequently, and it's so something we're so accustomed to. Most of us would not consider it a miracle. It, it has a biological explanation. It has a scientific basis. We understand how it works. So it doesn't really qualify in the classic sense as a miracle. Whereas something that blows your mind completely, water of the Nile River turns to blood. Uh-huh. That's a miracle. Or the, the, the Red Sea splits open and people are able to walk through it. That's a miracle. Or a nation that is sustained for 40 years in the desert by food that falls out of the sky, that's a miracle. Um, even more contemporary, if you had to look, for example, at the Six-Day War, anybody will tell you, I didn't live through it, right? But I'm sure many of you remember it. That was clearly miraculous. Yes, of course, it was an incredible air force and it was an incredible strategy on the Israelis' part. But nobody anticipated a six-day victory against such overwhelming odds. Uh, Entebbe, the Entebbe rescue, undoubtedly miraculous, no question about it. And I'm pretty sure that there are people who will tell you in their own lives that they had things that happened to them. And perhaps you have one that you could share with us is, uh, it, it is a miracle. So, yes, I agree. Waking up in the morning is a miracle. Absolutely. And if you can view it that way, that's an incredible attitude to take for two reasons. Firstly, because it's an incredible attitude that you celebrate life and because then you don't, um, you don't live in this 
delusion that basically says, life is coming to me. And then we get all frustrated when things don't go our way. So yes, to be able to live every life, every day and see it as a miracle, I think it's a huge gift. Somebody has that opportunity. I think it is a huge gift. Um, here's somebody else. Interesting angle on that. This is Yoav on Twitter who says that just being alive is true for everyone. But if you come from certain segments of European Jewish populations in the 30s and 40s. So in other words, if your parents or grandparents survived the Holocaust, then you are absolutely a miracle. And that's so true. You know, there are two, people, two kinds of headspaces that emerged from the Holocaust. There were those who came out and you cannot judge them. You honestly cannot judge somebody who came out of the Holocaust bitter and resentful, especially towards God. How could this have happened? And then there were other people who came out of the same Holocaust who were like, wow, the miracles that God did for me and the way in which he saved me. Interesting. It's quite fascinating how uh, you know people land up with different perspectives. Somebody, I don't know how you pronounce this name. That's what happens often with Twitter. It's very interesting on social media how people are quick to hide behind pictures that are not themselves and names that are not their own name. Anyhow, so here's somebody who says a really fascinating story. Um, it's a story about a, a young girl, member of their family, four or five years old at the time, and a car reversed over her, literally reversed over her. And they rushed her to the hospital only to discover that she did not have any serious injuries, no fractures, no damage to any organs. In fact, the staff, as the person tells the story here, the staff at the hospital, the only reason, the only way in which they knew that this person had in fact been um, driven over by a car was because they could see tire track marks on the skin. Now that's, I mean, wow, that's, that's quite an incredible story. When, when you hear about it, when you think about it, you know, it's a, it's, it's, that's the kind of thing that's a little bit more than the person just saying, waking up in the morning. Uh, here's somebody who says that they've seen many medical stories in our own community where the greater community banded together, said to heal him, etc., and the results were completely unexpected. Well, the truth of the matter is, uh, when I was at school, uh, a schoolmate of mine was was hit by a car. He was riding his bicycle. He was hit by a car. Those in our community know the story very well. We lived through it. He was one of my closest friends at the time. And the, the doctors did not want to even attempt to to keep him on life support overnight. That's how serious it was. And uh, not only did he pull through, because you know how it is, the, the, the story that they were told and the prognosis that they were given was so incredibly negative. And the family kept begging with the hospital, please, just, just keep him on life support. We're trying to get a hold of the Lubavitcher Rebbe in New York for a blessing. And um, the next morning he was conscious. The next morning he sat up and he asked for water, you know, as is traditional to wash your hands in the morning. And we saw him either the next day, the following day, I don't remember, it was literally like a day or two later. Saw him in the hospital. We went, the kids, to visit him. We couldn't go into the ward. We had to look at him. We could interact with him through a pane of glass. And he made an absolutely complete recovery. And all of the prognosis about what kind of brain damage there might have been, he actually went on to become uh, an incredibly talented and successful genius, actually. So, so there's a, there's a personal story, I guess. Um, here's somebody else who's just told the story that says when she was born, this person telling a first-hand story. When she was born, the doctors said that she was not alive. And, uh, in the meantime, 
she survived. I'm sure there are many other people who could share stories like that. If you do have a story and you would like to share it with us. So, you know, I just think these are the things that inspire. We need inspiration at a time like this. We need light at a time like this. If you've got a story that you want to share with us, 34519 or via WhatsApp, 0618951019. Otherwise, just use social media. That is undoubtedly the most popular way to do it. That's either Twitter or Facebook, either mine or High FM's. So beautiful. Two people, I'm not going to share names, but two people shared how the miracle in their lives was the miracle of finding the biological family. I would so love to hear more of those stories. I mean, that's, that's incredible, right? That's really, really something special. Um, somebody said, and I don't remember, I saw it a second ago on the, on the timeline and it's gone. But somebody wrote over there that they had cancer and without chemo and without radiation, the cancer disappeared and the doctors are nonplussed. They don't know how to to explain it. Really, really, really interesting. Interesting things. Uh, somebody t- talking about ESP. That's a different conversation. We'll leave that for another time. Um, what else? A few other people sending through. Oh, here's, here's one. Listen to this. This came through on Twitter. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name. But here's a person who says, my wife's aunt was doing the groceries at Hypercashier's supermarket on January 9th, 2015. That's when there was that attack. Remember the French supermarket that they, they gunned down a whole lot of people? Her mother called her because she needed her immediately. The woman left the groceries on the floor and left. It was only a few minutes later that the terrorists came in. Now, of course, the issue with those kinds of stories, obviously, is that people say, well, what about everybody else? How does it help for one person to have a miracle and not the rest? And I think it's important for people to know or to acknowledge that the the fact the fact that bad things happen does not negate the fact that miracles happen as well. And we don't understand how it all gets worked out and how it gets decided and who's going to be the one and who's going to be the other. We don't. But the reality is that there are clear miracles that happen to people. Uh, of course, there'll always be somebody with a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek response, miracle being pulled over by a metro cop and he didn't ask for a bribe. Okay. Um, somebody asking what's the definition of a miracle, somebody saying they live in a country where there's no vaccine rollout, it's a miracle they're alive. I think some people here might be able to relate to that as well. Um, here is, where's the southern one I was going to read to you? I just want to get the, here's somebody who says, this is AB on Twitter. He says, two years ago, the, doctor, the doctors were skeptical of my future twice. And I proved them wrong. I happen to know this particular person and happen to know that in both cases, they actually didn't think that he was uh, he was really going to pull through. And, and, and yet he did. And yet he did. One wonderful thing. Uh, here's an interesting one. Here's an interesting one. SK. <laughs> SK is the name. It says, when my cousin was in a near fatal car accident and then saw my deceased grandmother's hand turn the steering wheel and save her life. Whoa, how's that for a story? That's a really, really interesting story. And here's another one, Maria on Twitter, who says, I'm convinced that it was only the prayers of many, both loved ones and strangers, that saved me from dying in the ICU from COVID last January. The doctors had given up on me, but apparently God had not. Once I recovered, listen to this part, I discovered that I had been given a nickname, Miracle Maria. It's a beautiful story then. And I think it's quite apt because we're talking about the the overwhelming elements of COVID and, and how it's just 
really bearing down on everybody and people I think are feeling quite lost and, and quite stuck. So those are, that's a good story. You know, when, when you hear about the miracle of somebody pulling out of COVID, that's what we need to hear. We want to hear many more of those kinds of stories. Uh, here's somebody who says, I have many examples of should have been dead stories. It's pretty scary. You know, sometimes I think uh, somebody posted over here on Twitter the fact that in 1994 there was not a civil war in South Africa was a miracle. And the truth is it got me thinking, seeing that, that sometimes I feel living in this country is an ongoing series of miracles. You know, we have so many things that are like teetering on the edge. It's a miracle that it all kind of holds together. It's a, all kinds of things I think related to living in this country are miraculous. Uh, here's somebody who says, if I would tell you, you'd think I'm nuts. <laughs> That's often how it is with miracles. There are many, many more. Here's another one. My car uh, flipped. I found myself upside down and got out with just a few scratches and bruises. That's, uh, you know, there's a few of those, by the way. There's a few people mentioning car uh, accident miracles. Okay, there's a long list, and I really think it's fantastic. You can always pop onto my Facebook, and you'll see a long list and my Twitter, long list of responses and miracles, which is really encouraging, I think. So let's move then to the second part of this conversation. What happens when a person encounters a miracle? Then what? What should your attitude be? And... Sometimes you feel that a person gets up, kind of brushes themselves off, says, wow, that was amazing. But they don't necessarily shift because of it. And a little bit earlier today, somebody sent me an article. Um, I'm going to see if I can find it. Somebody sent me an article where basically it's a story of, I don't know if the story is verified or not, but it's a powerful story nonetheless. So basically the story is, oh, here it is. <laughs> So this is, uh, I'll read you the story because somebody said it to, sent it to me. Rabbi Chatzke Levenstein, the revered mashkiach in Balmusa, was once riding in a taxi and the Israeli driver told him the following story. He says, Rabbi, when my friends and I completed our army service, we decided to go on a world tour. We found ourselves in the jungles of Africa one night. Parenthetically, by the way, I love the way people from overseas always call this the jungles of Africa. Anyway, so uh, when all of a sudden one of my friends was at one night, all of us, the sudden one of my friends woke up screaming, a boa constrictor, constrictor had wrapped around his neck, more likely a python. But anyhow, we tried as much as possible to pull the snake off with no success. He was turning blue close to death. We didn't know what to do. At that point, one of us shouted to him, Yigal, say Shema Yisrael. Yigal started to sh say the Shema. I, I doubt he could have shouted. He was... He was being strangled. As soon as he finished, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, the snake released him and slithered away. The taxi driver continued, Rabbi, do you know that as a result of that incident, my friend Yigal became a Baal Teshuvah. Today he is religious, he has a beautiful family, they keep kosher, his wife cups their hair, the kids go to Jewish schools. Rav Levenstein responded, that's amazing. He paused for a minute and then he Continued, what about you? Me? Oh no, said the taxi driver. It didn't happen to me. It happened to him. <laughs> I think it's brilliant, you know, because that's such an insight into human psychology. Yeah, we are, you know. Didn't happen to me. I heard the story. It happened to somebody else. What do you mean? I have to be moved. I have to be impacted because a story occurred to some. I mean, the guy saw it with his own eyes, for heaven's sake. But 
he didn't feel that the miracle had happened to him and he didn't therefore feel that he had to do anything with his life. And I think that that opens a very important conversation because miracles are wonderful when they've happened and there might be many skeptics out there who don't believe your miracle, but if it's happened to you, it's happened to you and you've seen it and you know it and you know that it's real. So now what? What are you going to do with that information? That's the real question. And, and that's, I'd actually like to hear your thoughts on that. What should a person do? How should a person respond when they have experienced a miracle? And please God, people experience many. So 34519 via SMS or 0618951019 on Telegram. Or use the social media channels. Facebook and Twitter are alive and well with stories. How's about some insight into what should you do? How should you respond in a situation where you have witnessed a miracle? How should, if at all, how should your life now be different? This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So let's say that a person has experienced a miracle in their lives. And if you do have miracle stories that you'd like to share with us, please, by all means, go ahead and share, share some more. Here's one that's just come through via SMS that says, I had a brain tumor operation 30 years ago. On that day, they called my family to say goodbye. My sister met an unknown lady standing by her car. After telling her that God will heal, she was gone. I was awake the next day eating not deceased. That's a beautiful service. Pretty that it's an anonymous uh, SMS, but I do understand that. People often feel quite self-conscious sharing these kinds of personal things. So you've had a miracle that's happened to you, to a family member, hopefully not like the Israeli guy in the story who says, but it happened to him, it doesn't affect me. So now what? What's, what's going to happen next? <laughs> what's meant to happen in your life if there has been a miracle in your life? And I think perhaps the way to answer that question, like any Jewish question, is with a question. What is a miracle? Let's start there. How do miracles operate? Where do miracles come from? Because God doesn't just intercede, intervene, un undermine the, the laws of nature just so. We have an expression in Judaism which is that God will not do a miracle without a purpose. So if there's a miracle that occurs, there's got to be a reason for that miracle. There has to be a benefit. There has to be a value in that miracle. So you've got to ask yourself the question, if, if Hashem did a miracle for me or for somebody I care about, well, what's that supposed to say? Has Chaim on Facebook who says, be humble. Hashem changed the world just for you. That is a humbling attitude. As uh, our forefather Yaakov says, all the kindness that God has done for me has had a net result that I feel small. I feel undeserving. And of course, it's not good enough just to feel undeserving. On the contrary, a person should feel, so now what? What can I do? So what is a miracle? Let's talk about that for a moment. You know, every single morning in our prayers, there's a paragraph, Tehillim number 100, that we say in our morning prayers, except for Shabbos and festivals, one or two other days on the calendar. Mizmor Lesoida. It's the Thanksgiving prayer. It's the prayer that is associated with a person who has experienced a miracle. So if you want to know how you're supposed to respond to a miracle, that'd be a good place to look. What do we say there? Know that Hashem is the God. He has made us. And then the next words have an ambiguous translation. Because the word loy 
is written with the letter Vav, which means to him, and it's pronounced with the letter Aleph, Loi, not us. So in other words, there are two ways to read it. One is to say, Hashem has made us and we have not made ourselves. Oh, there is a good lesson, as Chaim says, humble, to be humbled by a miracle. And the other is that we are his. This is Hashem showing us that he cares about us. A miracle is an overwhelming expression of divine love. That's why miracles happen, because he loves us. Why would you do something that was out of the ballpark for another person? Probably because you care about them and because you love them. So what exactly are miracles? Do know ki Hashem hu ha'eloikim. Now, in English, English is a very poor language when it comes to describing spirituality. It really is. You know, every language has its particular strengths and weaknesses. And Lashon HaKodesh, the holy tongue, which we colloquially call Hebrew, is far better at expressing spiritual concepts than English is. So in English... God is our God. God is the Lord. I don't know that there's a real distinction between God and Lord, actually. But in Hebrew, there's a mega distinction because we say Hashem, that is spelled with a Yud, followed by a He, followed by a Vav, followed by a He. That is what they call the ineffable name of God, the Tetragrammaton. What do you call it? <laughs> Tetragrammaton. That's the name of God that, that keeps everything going. That is the name of God that transcends nature. Within the Hebrew of that word, you have the words for past, present, and future all rolled into one because this is the transcendent supernatural dimension of God. Whereas on the other hand, Eloikim, which is a plural word, so that already indicates the possibility of Hashem allowing other things to exist, a.k.a. creation. It's also the word that in indicates power. And it is the word that has the same gematria numerical value as the word hateva, which is nature. Now, just for a second, you know, what is gematria? Gematria is that every letter in the Hebrew alphabet has a numerical value. Aleph, the first letter, has the value of one. Tof, the last letter, has the value of 400, just to give you an idea. So every single word in Hebrew can be calculated to a numerical total. And then you could find other words that have the same total that are connected. Now, many people say, oh, do me a favor. Really? What's the connection? Well, that's exactly the point. It sounds tenuous. It sounds like there's no connection. That's the reality of nature. It feels like there's no real connection to God. That's what happens. You walk around in your life, as we do, and you look at what's going on in the world, and you say, ah, rules of nature. Why are the numbers going up so high in Kauteng at the moment? COVID numbers, natural reasons. It's cold, so people's immunity is suppressed. We've all been in a lockdown of sorts for a year, so that's further suppressed people's immunity. People have become what they call COVID complacent or corona-placent, whatever the word is, and they're not keeping social distance and they're not sanitizing properly. Therefore, they're spread. That's true. That is nature. Do you see God's hand in it? No. Do you want to see God's hand in it? Well, many people don't. We'd prefer not to put the blame on God. We'd rather put the blame on the next person. So the reality of nature is that like a gematria, really this word is linked to that word because it totals the same amount of numbers? Come on, sounds like a stretch. This process that's happening in the world right now, the fact that the rand is weakened, the fact that this particular economy is doing well, the fact that that particular industry has uh, almost collapsed in the last year, there are natural reasons for it to link it back to God, tenuous at best. And that's how people live their lives, blinded, by the fact that Hashem has a hand, not just a hand, the hand that is the puppeteer that is orchestrating our lives, we, generally speaking, 
don't see that until a miracle happens. And then you're like scratching your head and you're like, what? What was that? Hmm, I cannot explain it. So the most gratifying news that you could ever hear from a doctor is, we don't know. We don't know how that's okay. We don't know how that person made a recovery. I've been blessed in my life, to be honest. I've heard that story multiple times from people or from their doctors. They say, we don't know. We don't understand this. I've stood outside that ICU room with family ready to call the Hebra Kadisha. said, whoa, hang on a second. God is in control. And then five years more of good, healthy life. Member of my own family. So these are the moments where you say, one second, Hashem, who ha'elokim. That's what a miracle does. A miracle opens their eyes. A miracle says, whoa, I thought that God made a world and then he kind of dispatched it into the hands of the natural powers. The climate, infectious diseases, natural disasters, economic cycles, political squabbles, whatever it is. These are the things that influence our lives. Talking about eyes have been opened. Hang on. Here's an area of life where God stepped in directly and said, hello, I'm in control. See this? Did something that the doctors cannot explain, the economists cannot explain, the politicians can't explain. Nobody can explain. That's what a miracle is supposed to do. Open our eyes. Any person who believes for one moment that the miracle is just in its own little bubble is missing the point of a miracle. A miracle is a clue to how the world works all the time. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So what is a miracle? A miracle is pulling the curtain back. At the end of the day, the reality is, as we say daily, Shema Yisrael, listen, listen, hello, listen. Hashem Elokeinu. That doesn't just mean the Lord is our God as they translate it in English. Like it's some kind of a religious conviction. I believe in God. Which God? The Jewish God. It's more than that. Hashem Elokei Nu. That's a possessive term. That's ours, our power, our might. The might of our world, the functioning of our world is in God's hands. Now we get to choose. We get to choose in life. Are we just going to read things at face value? Or are we going to peel back the, 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 the wrapping and look a little deeper? Anytime that a miracle occurs, it could be a mega miracle Call it the collapse of communism type of miracle, the Entebbe rescue kind of miracle, or it could be a little miracle. The little miracle of a person feeling that something went right in my life today that I hadn't expected. I was just in the right place at the right time or met the right person, whatever it is. These are invitations for us to open our eyes and then to decide. I get to choose now going forward. Do I perpetuate the cycle of miracles or do I just let it happen? And it was, wow, that was nice while it was. And I'll remember it for the rest of my life. You know, Jews are obsessed with miracles. If you think about it, think how many dates on our calendar are associated with miracles. And in addition to those, once you get into the Hasidic world, there are so many dates associated with miracles of things that happened to our great leaders like this past week, where we celebrated the fact that the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe was miraculously released by the same KGB who wanted to kill him for his activities of keeping Judaism alive in Stalinist Russia. They were the same ones who released him. Outright miracle. In fact, the Code of Jewish Law says that if a miracle happens in your own family, mark the date, have a celebration, 
annually come back to the story, revisit it, share it. In fact, you go back to that place, you're actually meant to say a blessing to thank Hashem for the miracle. Why? Because we're obsessed with miracles. Our nation was born out of miracles. We lived consistently for miracles. The truth is we only survive on miracles by all the laws of nature, natural selection, survival of the fittest and all that kind of thing. We shouldn't be here. We live on miracles, we thrive on miracles, we obsess with miracles for one simple reason. Not because we're waiting for miracles to save us from ourselves. We have to take responsibility. That's the Jewish way. But because we believe that a miracle is evidence to the fact that God is in control. So I don't agree. Somebody posted over here that if you have a miracle, that's it. You have to now keep every single law and become completely religious. And then he says, and I therefore I don't believe there are any miracles. Well, obviously, it's too overwhelming if you think that a miracle is now going to uh, uh, obligate you to, uh, to become absolutely observant. That's not the point. A miracle is God shifting the rules of nature to show that he's in control. And the way we elicit miracles and the way we respond to miracles should both be the same. Find the miracle in myself. Every one of us is absolutely convinced that there is something in our lives in terms of spiritual growth, in terms of goodness to the next person, in terms of Judaism, in terms of our learning. Every one of us believes, me, I could never do that. It goes against my nature. I don't have the nature of being able to watch what I eat or stop working one day a week or give so much charity. Miracles are a reminder that what lies beneath the surface is a miracle. What lies beneath the surface of nature is God's hand. What lies beneath the surface of my own self-defeating attitude is the fact that I actually have a soul that can drive me to the most incredible success. We each can make miracles in our lives. Right now, today, do one thing for Hashem that you feel is completely beyond your pay grade. That's a miracle. And miracles produce miracles. May Hashem send us all the miracles that we need. May He send a speedy recovery to those who are not well and keep us all safe. And may we soon enough see the miracle of all miracles, the coming of Moshiach now. Have a great Shabbos.